the Plotcast podcast with the Potty Plotters. Hello and welcome back to the Potty Plotters Plotcast. I'm Elaine. And I'm Julia. Together we are still known as the Potty Plotters. And don't forget you can get in touch with us at any time via our social channels. Welcome to episode 11. I can't believe that we're still here, but if you only just come across us, then hit that follow or subscribe button, whatever it is that you might have. But to let you know that already we've been talking barrows and blooms. Barrows and blooms, Julia. Not bloomers, just barrows and blooms. <laughs> Do you so, remember once we nearly flew some bloomers over my tangerinery? <laughs> <laughs> We've got a flagpole, haven't we? I don't know oh, why yeah, we thought we'd do it. Oh, I remember. <laughs> Weren't they Auntie Sheila's? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, onward and upward. What we will be doing is we will be filling a wheelbarrow and we're calling them mealbarrows. And we'll be doing that in a little while. But we're also going to be talking to that infamous person, Tina Green from Green Blooms. But before then, what we need to do is to explain a little bit more about our meal barrows. So what are they all about, Elaine? Well, it is a meal in a barrow. It's as simple as that. And not everybody has an allotment. Not everybody's got a big garden, Julia. So what I want people to do is to start and think about the spaces that they have got and invariably they will have an old wheelbarrow or know somebody that has had one perhaps builders nearby have had one I'm not saying nick it because I don't want you to do that but it might be that they are dumping one of their old barrows and all you need to do is capture it kidnap it (laughs) fill it and then we're going to eat the contents that's what we're going to do today not nick it don't nick it (laughs) Don't get your finger out at me like that, neither. <laughs> okay, then. But if you've got an old barra, let's use it. Now, in order to talk about it, I actually need to move outside. Get out, then. But... <laughs> <laughs> but what I do need to do is to remind people how important it is to use some of the things that we've been talking about in recycling in the past. Now then, if you go back to episode three on old tools as well, you will find that we talked about um, the old barrows. We talked about knives and forks and we talked about my mum's knitting needles too, I think. There's nothing safe around you, is there? No, not generally, Knitting no. needles, cutlery. What do you, what do you eat with at home? <laughs> teeth doesn't everybody <laughs> right then I'm going to go outside but Julia you can watch me from the window so you don't have to come outside and get yeah, cold that's I'll what I was it. thinking I was thinking I'm lovely and warm in here in the tangerinery but I can see you so off you go okay then the Plotcast podcast with the potty plotters so I've moved outside. Yes, I've drawn, drawn the uh, short straw, but nevertheless, I'm quite happy sat here next to my barra. Where have now, you had it from? I haven't stolen it, Julia. <laughs> this is a really old barra. It's got holes in its bottom, which is perfect, actually. And also, it's got a very big flat tyre. Oh, that's good, because it means no one will steal it. No, and uh, it's good because it will stay where it's put. And very shortly, it is going to be put somewhere and it's going to stay, believe you me. It's looking a bit rusty, Elaine. It's very rusty. And, Julia, if you want to, anybody who is a bit of an artist, they could paint it, do whatever you like with it. And you could tart it up a bit, really, couldn't you? If you're going to put it in your garden or somewhere that people are going to take notice of it. But I'm going to leave it as it is. I like this rustic approach. It kind of goes with your character, doesn't it? (laughs) But old. (laughs) Thank you for that. I don't know. (laughs) Rustic, I don't know. 
But what are you going to put in it, Elaine? Right then, so what I've done already um, before we started is I've made sure that the holes are able to leak all the water that it needs to because what I don't want is for it to get waterlogged. It's really important to hammer some holes if you need to in the bottom of the barra. And then what I've done, Julia, is I've already put a lot of sand in here. It's just builder's sand, nothing more. And I filled it then with multi-purpose compost, but I've also put loads of horse muck in. So <laughs> this morning I've been in the muck pile. And I and was I've just laughing at that because I did know you'd done that. And now you trying to get it to a fine tilt with your hand you're yeah, kind of crumbling the muck aren't you in your hand <laughs> I mean the muck isn't lumpy but it is fair to say that I'll not be making uh, any pastry this afternoon <laughs> because I think it will take a little time for that to uh, to get out of my fingernails but there you go it adds to the flavour I suppose and what people don't know don't harm now then what I am going to do though is I'm going to make a meal barra it's really important that people know that you can plant virtually anything in a barra as long as it is that it's the right thing so I'm not going to do for instance cordon tomatoes that will grow up to five foot because the barra won't take it I don't need it and I don't want to put anything at all that uh, is going to support anything everything i put in here is going to be dwarf is it you'd be all right in here thanks a lot yeah <laughs> what are you going to plant in it then because right, we've um, done one before that was a salad barra haven't we? yeah i love doing the salad barra where we put radishes beetroot uh we did put some miniature tomatoes in yeah. as well and we put in some lettuce too. Ooh, and we put some spring onions oh well. yeah, yeah we did yeah so and that looked lovely as well yeah. as tasted lovely and uh, it did cause quite a stir up the allotments and i noticed that barras were being used and recycled then all over the place so let Let's get stuck in and make a proper meal barra. What I've done, as I say, is filled it almost to the top with multi-purpose compost. I have put about three uh, shovels full of muck in there, or muck it was, obviously, and sand, as I say. And now all I'm going to do, quite simply, is I'm going back to recycling. Yeah. Uh, that's somewhere where I've just kept all my cutlery on the oh. side here, Julia. But I have got two forks. In fact, it looks like somebody's left the dinner on one well, <laughs> I'm just thinking they look quite nice and ornate. Have you checked with someone like Charles Anson whether they're worth anything before you start messing around with them? haven't but you know when you check your drawer well <laughs> I was gonna say check your drawers check your drawers later yeah and that's what I'll be doing but I know that these are my old cutlery that can stay up here and then what I've done is I've tied a piece of string between the two forks and also I've got you to chop up an old yogurt pot and you've made me a label I have yeah I've stuck the label in the prongs prongs well, yeah whatever they are yeah. anyway in the fork so yeah. it won't come out and now all I'm going to do is I'm going to lean over make sure that your string's long enough and put the string so that it forms a line a visible line and that's really important because I'm now going to plant peas along that line if you don't have a label and you don't have the line you don't know whether or not they're peas that are coming up or whether they're weeds because of course there's lots of things flying well not lots of things flying around but there are weeds and seeds that could be landing on here so all I've got now is I've got some seeds out of my seed tin here and the ones that I'm going to put in are here in my hand 
and these are a miniature type and they're called Little Marvel. Aww. So they are a Little Marvel, I can guarantee, and all I'm going to do is put a line of peas along between these um, forks and the, across the line as well. So I am going to what looks like overcrowd because I'm going to put them around two inches apart but I know that there's plenty of room and nourishment as well in here. Now I'm not going to cover them up, oh. not yet, not until I've finished everything. Oh. Right then, the next thing is that I'm going to put in another variety, this time of beans, and these are a small type and these are called Hester. I think that's how you say it. Anyway, I've always said it, Hester. Hester. H-E-S-T-I-A. And these are a cross between a runner bean and a French bean, but again, they're only miniature, so they're not going to swamp everything in here, but I am going to leave my peas quite a little gap. So again, I haven't even put my line out. I'm just going to make my line here with my string. You can't work with outlines, can you? <laughs> I think you must have done a lot at school, did you? <laughs> yeah, in one format or another. It was always detention in one way or another. So just talk amongst yourselves then while I just finish off making another line. So this is going to be a bit legume heavy at the moment. Are you putting anything else in there? Um, I'm going to... No. <laughs> No, I'm so going all you're doing is peas and beans. Peas and beans, yeah. I might put some carrots in actually because yeah. I think I could put another line in of carrots. So I'll just tie this piece of string on the next fork. Yeah, because you could put a small, a uh, short variety of carrot in there. You could put something like a Paris Market or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any uh, Chantenay type, I would say, yeah. or a stump. Because what I don't want to do is have carrots falling out the bottom of it. So well, they'd have to be a pretty strong carrot to grow <laughs> through the bottom, unless they're that holy. <laughs> right, I've put another line in now. And what I'm going to do along there is I'm going to plant these beans. Now, because they're a big bean, Julia... Yeah. What do we have to remind people? On the side, not on their back. Exactly. Because if you put them on their back, then they're likely to rot. Exactly. And we want the water that we're going to put on in a little while, and it'll be rainwater later, just to be able to run off them rather than sit on them and rot the bean. So I've just put in there one, two, three, four, five, six, six beans. So that'll be a nice display. And the other thing about all of this is it does visually, visually it does look a nice display. Yeah, so there's some beautiful flowers on those, um, on those Hester. Yeah, yeah white beans. and uh, red they are, yeah. which always look lovely. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to gradually fill this barrow up. So the next line that I'm going to put in are broad beans. And again, that's a big bean and they're called the Sutton. And they are a bean that don't grow very tall at all, but you can eat the whole of the pod, not just the bean. So that is a definite that's going in there. And as you say, I think we should whack some carrots in. I think so. And then what are you going to do? Are you going to cover all the beans that you've planted? Yeah, because we get rodents up here... Yeah. The first thing is cover them, and now I've put the line in, I know that they will be the beans and the peas, etc., that will be coming up. But I'm also going to put a sheet of either polycarbonate from recycling, yeah. where we had them when somebody demolished a greenhouse. I'm going to put that across the top to protect it, but also, not just from mice and uh, rats that we get up here, but also to keep the warmth in, because it's still a little bit chilly. You wouldn't know, because you're sat in there, aren't you? Yeah, I'm And it must it. be really boiling. I'm surprised you're not taking your coat off. 
off, Julia. But honestly, leave it with me oh, and I'll sort this moan. out. You do moan. The kettle will be going on in a minute. <laughs> That's all right then. So leave it to me. Anybody who wants to make a meal, Barra, get on with it. Yeah, she's made a meal of that, hasn't she? The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. Isn't it strange? I've just moved inside having sat on metal. I was sat on a little stool and now I'm sat on wood. You wouldn't know about this, Julia, but I tell you what, my bottom's cold. Yours won't be, but uh, what have you been up to this week? Have you done anything at all? I've been very busy, actually. I've been in the polytunnel, topping up the no-dig side of the polytunnel. And I'm also going to be adding the manure to the other side of the polytunnel, which is dig. I've been topping up my no-dig beds outside, so I have been very busy, excuse me. That's marvellous. I've been washing my terracotta pots, ready to put in my uh, tomatoes. So that's kept me busy, but I've also started digging over my plot, good and proper, ready for when we plant everything, which of course will be around about now, actually. If anybody's uh, listening and got any questions, what should they do, Elaine? Well, don't ask me. (laughs) (laughs) So they can contact us, and no joke, they can contact us uh, through Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at Potty Plotters or on our website, which is pottyplotters.uk or email us naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk. Yeah, and we have had a uh, question in, haven't we, from Amanda about potatoes. And she wanted to know, how do I get rid of wireworm? She evidently had wireworm last year. I've made a wire duck before. Oh. Yeah, but I've never had a wireworm. That's not very helpful. No. Right. Uh, Wireworm, usually a problem on ground that's previously had grass on it. It's a case of work in the area that you're going to be planting your potatoes. So, again, with crop rotation, you shouldn't be planting your potatoes in the same place anyway, so it should be you should be moving around your plot. But something that has been suggested that I've never done, but I think it does work, is if you chop a potato up and put, uh, say, halves or quarters of it in various places on the area that's been affected by the wireworm, that should draw them out and almost act as a sacrificial um, magnet to them, and you can dig them out and, and slowly get rid of them that way. Alternatively, you can have a go at planting in tubs. Definitely, or bags for life. We've done that and that's been very successful. So I would give that particular area a rest definitely from potatoes. Think about where you're going to plant in the future and make sure that you've not had a field or a grass topping there in the past. Yes. Contact the Potty Plotters anytime on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Potty Plotters or email naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk. We're sat outside today. It's morning. The sun has risen. It looks springy. And at the side of us, we've actually captured an Easter bunny. (laughs) Tina from Green Blooms. Good morning, darlings. How are we both? Very excellent, thank you. And we're pleased to see that you came with bunches of flowers, spring flowers, because Easter is here. Hurrah! Hurrah at Little last. Then, what have you got with you there? Are they for us, first of all? Mainly no. Oh, right. So, uh, <laughs> are any of them made of chocolate? And again, no, oh, but I on. am available for Easter eggs at any given point. 
<laughs> All right. um, specifically if you give me free flowers that you grow. Oh, you're right. Well, we okay. can do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Later in the season, you will be given everything that we grow. <laughs> oh, you know we that. We can't wait. We can't wait. But we like to promote English-grown flowers. Can't beat them. And I can see that you've got plenty of them in front of you. What have you got there? Okie dokie. So I bought a little selection of some spring flowers that are grown locally and also yourselves grow as well. And people will also grow in the garden. So first of all, the classics, the daffodils. Generally, they are wonderful. They look wonderful by the side of the road. I would suggest not going to steal them. No, don't, we don't do want that. to promote that. We're no. not promoting that today. Um, however, they and they do look lovely. And so leave yeah. them there. And they're really cheap. They're like a pound a bunch from yeah. co-op. What I will say is that when you cut them, from the bottom, um, stamen comes out of it. It's like a, a gloopy... Yeah, I've noticed that before. Have you noticed? It's a little bit cloudy. Um, Try not to get it on your skin because it's toxic. Also with daffodils, as much as they are beautiful, they don't actually like other flowers either. So when you cut them and this juice comes out, if you put them into a vase with um, pretty much, I'd say, 90% of other cut flowers, they will kill them. So when you see designs of daffodils, and you'll often see them alone or with some very hardy foliage and things like that, any any sort of... So in front of me here, I've got an, an Alstroemeria. She's looking yeah. a bit floppy. Yeah. Um, she just needs a drink. She needs to go back into some water. Alstroemeria is a beautiful and got the sort of little lily heads. But if you put an Alstroemeria in with a daffodil, she will die within a day. So top tip, keep them on their own, in their own vase. And they should be okay. Absolutely. Now you've got a floppy tulip there. What's a wonderful tulip here. (laughs) I love that colour, actually. I have, yeah, I have, yeah. Have you? Well, tulips, I've got to say, are one of my favourites. There's very few flowers that aren't my favourites, to be fair, but tulips, they're so versatile, certainly for a florist. Whereas you guys grow flowers and you know all about growing them. I know nothing about growing them, absolutely nothing. What I do know, though, is about designing them and making them look pretty in design. So whether it be a wedding, a funeral, birthdays, anniversaries, whatever, um, that's what I do. So a tulip, very versatile. It's got a beautiful form. Starts off as a what's called a spike form, so you know the point. Yeah. yeah. But then when it opens up, it goes into a beautiful rounded form. So it, it's a it's a gorgeous, versatile. As I say, what you can do is. We call it slitting their throats. So all that means is that you get, you can use a pin, but we use a wire, and you put a hole. You can see I've done it there at the top of the stem. Now, what that does, that stops it from continuously growing because that's what tulips do. So we, oh yeah. yeah yeah did you know this way so uh, yeah, wonder- yeah. and they are wonderful and if you're looking for just a really relaxed and open design literally just pop your tulips in a vase in you know in near to sun and just watch them each day that they will change and even though they're caught and the bulb's been taken off they will grow towards that light and the design is it gives me goosebumps actually yeah. if I'm truthful yeah. because it's just it's nature in its most perfect wonderful form I like them when they do grow in the vase and Agreed. they become quite floppy and then they sort of bow down to they you do. it's a thing yeah. but I think that they look majestic when they do that Agreed completely now these are my favourite spring flower hyacinths I love the smell of them they remind me of when I was a child we used to long time ago (laughs) very long time ago (laughs) 
I remember it. We used to do it in Mrs. Baker's class. So I was only about seven, believe it or not. Right. I once was seven. And we used to grow them in like a little vase and then watch all the roots grow and then watch the tops grow. And the smell of hyacinths always reminds me of when I was little because I was wonderful it's wonderful and they are the the scent and and that's the thing with spring flowers it's very much about nature and the scents really start to come out in in the springtime and there's so many whether it's lily of the valley obviously which was you know I'll, I'll probably mention weddings in a minute but obviously at this time of year in April we're looking now wedding season starts so um, we've got um, a, sh- a huge amount of, um, of of the real fragrant flowers that are coming through and hyacinths are just one of them they're absolutely beautiful as you can imagine and as you know they will continue to grow from the bulbs um, these ones that I've got now are cut because they're going into a design but they are again um, and they change as well they start off really tight budded as you can see here but as they um, as they sort of develop and go on they become real almost like little stars in themselves and yeah so hyacinths are beautiful it's um, it's just a shame that the lady was called Mrs Bouquet because <laughs> yeah. it sort of ruined it a bit for me I really wish she wouldn't, wouldn't have been called hyacinth <laughs> just because every time I think of it now I think she's going to come and like clean my curtains or something so Tina yes. what's this spiky thing that you bought with you well has, um, it is very well known as sea holly but um, to Florence it's called a ringium but to most people it's a thistle however potentially uh, one of the most popular spike form flowers that we have certainly for weddings this is obviously a it's a beautiful sort of pale blue gray color but they also come in white as well which are uber uber popular for weddings would you actually mix the eryngium because I can say that word myself. Excellent. Yeah. Would you actually mix them with anything like the hyacinths or would you keep everything separate? Certainly eurygium. Um, so in weddings and things, these will go in with spray roses, they'll go in with peonies, things like that. Absolutely beautiful. So Because what it does, it gives you that different texture. So you know when you've got those really smooth and rounded forms, this gives you that real bit of interest, that, you know, those real bits of thing. Pop it with some eucalyptus, etc. It looks amazing. And it's got a bit of a vintage look to it as well. Tina, what are these spiky things that you bought as well? They're more spiky, very upright and proud. What are they? They are Veronica and they are beautiful. Really classy, gives that sort of a bit of a uh, a rustic, bit of a, a, a vintage edge to it. But when you're doing designs, obviously we want a mixture of textures, of colours um, and this gives you a little bit of everything so it's got that beautiful form that beautiful spike form well what seems to be on trend at the moment Tina is um, jam jars I keep on seeing everywhere well not everywhere but a lot of places seem to be um, exhibiting spring flowers in jam jars now are jam jars on trend and should we be worried that we won't have any for our jam in the future <laughs> <laughs> um jam jars are brilliant aren't they let's be fair L- love the fact that um that they're multi-use we can reuse recycle and the thing is with a lot of spring flowers they're actually quite short stemmed and so you know a lot of vases are obviously quite tall well it's no good if your vases sort of you know 30 centimeters and your stems are only 20 you've got your flowers literally just sitting at the top so for spring flowers jam jars are perfect um and so yeah and we use them quite a lot well 
and I try and sort of encourage it as quite a lot for our brides as well. So for centipeters, it's it's really very trendy to have like wood slices and a selection of jam jars, and then lots of different flowers just popped out. And it's it's a, a less expensive alternative, you know. And people can DIY; they can do it themselves. And again, it's all about reusing, repurposing. And so, are flowers going to last longer? if they have got light coming through to their stems? Or should we actually be looking for um, maybe coloured ones so that they will protect from the sun and the light? What's the best? It's difficult to say, really. What I will always say to everyone is that if you want your flowers to last the longest, keep them cool. Don't have them in direct sunlight once they're cut. So it's the complete opposite to your guys and it's complete opposite to growing. Once they're cut, pretty much... Um, all flowers for them to be kept as long as possible nice and cool out of direct sunlight but most people when they get given flowers they like to put them in the windsill and things like that so my top advice would be to cut your stems at least once every other day cut them on an angle because by cutting your stem on an angle you're opening up the space that your stem can draw up the water so that's another big one but most importantly change your water every couple of days because what happens is the heat warms up the water causes bacteria but bacteria gets into your flowers your flowers die quick ah, so there's no truth in the fact that you could put maybe a little bit of bleach or a little bit of sugar into your water to to you help s- keep them yeah you certainly can and to be fair um we clean our buckets every week religiously and we clean them with bleach and we're not overly careful with how much it, the, the the fact that the bucket's completely clear because that tiny touch of bleach will clear that tiny bit of any sort of bacteria but what i would say is be very careful you're talking tiny amounts again with the sugar your sugar will introduce bacteria as well um, but your most important thing is changing that water every couple of days thanks again tina you are a star and thank you to you for listening don't forget if you've enjoyed what you've heard press that subscribe or follow button so you never ever miss an episode I just want to talk about some hints and tips. Is that okay, Julia? Yeah, go on then. What have you got there? Oh, well, I can't resist it because this was one of my genius ideas over at Christmas time. I love string. You know that almost yeah. as much as all smoke. But this was a uh, hanger that I got for 50p from a local charity shop. And you might think, what do you want a, lo- a local hanger? A hanger for? Well, I did think that because <laughs> I know that in your wardrobe, there's no clothes. There's just gin and uh, seats. That's right. And what else would anybody want in a wardrobe? So what I've done is I've got an old hanger. It's a wooden hanger and it's got two metal struts with a bar, a wooden bar going across the bottom. And when I was faffing around in this charity shop, I felt like people were watching me, but I wanted to make sure that I could take the wooden rail off the bottom and having done so, all I did then was nip up the shop, go and get a load of string and put it on here. And all you do now is you fit the top bar onto the bottom bar and it keeps all of my string in one place all on the bottom bar I think it's a genius idea but most importantly I can find it you can hang it wherever it is that you're working on the allotment in the garden in the shed wherever you might be I think that's worth every penny I think that is a genius idea blooming heck there's a first in the next episode we'll be talking ready steady show Until then, bye for now. And if you do want to know any more, well, you'll just have to uh, 
Well, go and have a look what Adam Frost is up to. He's always busy, isn't he? He's always on that internet malarkey. I know, I know. but we met him once, didn't we? Yeah, I don't think he's ever forgot it. But anyway, anybody wants to know... He knows a lot, though. I know he does, yeah. Well, he's had a long time learning, hasn't he? That's the thing. Did but he, he was very scared and well, scared. Yeah. yeah, and what about his nanas? I gave him a nana once. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters is an Amberland Media production. 